Welcome to the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast, where it is never too early for fantasy football. My name is Jeff. And I'm Alex. As always, thank you for downloading, listening, liking, and commenting on our podcast videos. Please join our community by subscribing to us on the socials. Our handle on all platforms is at N2E Fantasy. We are also available on all major podcasting apps by searching N2E Fantasy. Alex, what do we have on today's show? On this episode of the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast, we are covering news from the Week 15 games, including injuries, recapping the matchups, and providing insights for fantasy players. Jeff, Week 15 was the first week for most teams' fantasy football playoffs, and we have several important games for both fantasy and for the real NFL, and we can get kick-started with the Thursday night matchup, Chargers at Raiders. The Raiders won. 63 to 21 in a game that everyone predicted was going to go down exactly like this. I know that you did predict the Chargers a win. I predicted the Raiders a win. I thought it'd be a much closer game. And I think you probably did too. Jeff, what happened? So <laughs> the, the Raiders came out playing on fire. This was the second highest scoring team of the year for one week. So it was interesting to see that Brandon Staley finally got fired we've been talking about this a little bit throughout the weeks that we believe justin herbert needs something different probably needs a offensive minded coach at this point in his career someone that's going to be innovative and use his strengths to win games versus what they're doing right now right now they are trying to run the ball on fourth and short and like they're just doing plays that don't work like brandon staley's made a few boneheaded calls this year one that sticks out to me is they ran josh kelly on fourth and one in their own end zone and they should have lost that game and i believe they won it earlier in the season this is termination with cause in my opinion i was sick of listening to the brandon staley press conferences and just ready for them to move on from him also really interesting tidbits in this game and this is more 2024 pieces of information samir white kind of had a 2024 tryout and he did pretty well in that game so it'll be interesting to see if the raiders move in a different direction than josh jacobs in 2024 but samir white's a name to be on the lookout for in 2024 uh aiden o'connell goes 20 for 34 with four touchdowns so he had one of his best days as a pro and maybe his best day maybe a career a career day like when we look at the end of his career this might be the best that he ever does with four touchdowns in a game will levis had one earlier in the year on his debut and uh now here we are with aiden o'connell hitting a four touchdown game adams eats as does josh palmer but josh palmer's was mostly on a blown coverage play and Spiller appears to be taking over the backfield for the Chargers, and that might be the direction that they move in 2024, maybe a combination of Spiller and Eliza Dotson. But Eckler might be done for 2023. I don't know how you can throw him in starting lineups. Am I incorrect on that, Alex, or uh, what are your thoughts? I think Eckler's days with the Chargers are done, and I think you might be able to say the same thing about Josh Jacobs for the Raiders. I think this game for both of these teams has kind of shown that the days of the expensive running back are, are basically done. They did it with Zamir White. They kind of did it with Isaiah Spiller. So, and Eckler just hasn't been efficient, as well as Josh Jacobs hasn't been efficient either. So I think both these teams are looking to move off from those expensive backs and, and save their money and use it other ways. 
Yeah, absolutely. Josh Jacobs is still young, though, so that's just something to be on the lookout for if a team does sign Josh Jacobs. He is currently 25 years old, so he'll be 26 by the time that next year starts. So he should have like two to three good years left in him if if a team wants to take a chance on him. Okay, so he'll just be raising his boombox playing ABBA next year, and uh, we'll see who, who takes a chance on him. Okay, we can. <laughs> you got one up move. on me here, though, because you picked the Raiders and I picked the Chargers, and that game was over before halftime. That's the last thing I, I can say about this game. I, I don't know what it is about Thursday matchups that I, I have the edge on over you, but it just seems I'm it just works following out that way. your lead from now on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, and happier news, uh, Jeff, we can move on to the next matchup that we both got correctly. So. Vikings at Bengals, the first of the Saturday Saturday matchups. Uh, Bengals ended up winning that one at the end, twenty seven to twenty four. Jeff, why don't you break this down for us? Yeah, absolutely. Minnesota blew a fourteen point lead late. Addison scores twice on six targets. Well, Jefferson gets eighty four yards on ten targets. It did turn out that Addison was the more valuable fantasy option this week, but got roughly half the targets of Justin Jefferson. So. That is a receiving core that I would like to stick together for the next few years, but uh, we'll see what happens with Justin Jefferson's contract and a few other items that come out of that. Higgins scores twice, and Chase also did did not get into the end zone, so Higgins and Addison took away the touchdowns from Jefferson and Chase, who were supposed to be the fantasy scoring monsters this year. They're both first-round picks in every fantasy draft. Chase also gets injured in this game, and it does look like he'll at least miss one week of games. and. Uh, We'll see from there because it could be a little bit longer than that. It's not ideal right now going into the semifinals and the finals of of fantasy playoffs. And Mullins is going to get one more week to start. So, and I don't know what other direction that the Vikings can go in this point. They've already benched Dobbs. Hall wasn't that good in the two snaps that he played before Dobbs came in that first week. So Minnesota is kind of reeling right now. And this kind of leads me to my thought that Kirk Cousins comes back to the Vikings next year because now they're realizing what they are missing now that he's gone. So they actually get a preview of what they're missing and what their team could look like with him gone. So this actually might benefit Kirk Cousins in the long run. Sometimes you just gotta let someone miss you and Kirk Cousins is definitely gonna benefit from that. It just makes me think both these teams, so the Vikings and Bengals, if Kirk Cousins and Joe Burrow, if you could wave a magic wand and make them perfectly healthy for the whole year this year. Where would they be at this point? Like, what do you think their records would be? Do you think they'd both be significantly higher than seven and seven and eight and six? Yes, they would be. Uh, the Bengals were on the trajectory that they had been every year, where they got out slow out of the gate, and then they would have picked it up late. Browning's doing okay, but you can still see where there are inefficiencies with that offense now. But if Joe Burrow was 100% healthy, he wouldn't have had the calf injury. So I think he would have played better at the beginning of the year, too. But whatever it is, they've never come out always, of the gates, though. Yeah, but the previous year he had appendicitis, <laughs> and then the year before that, I think he like got injured or something like that. Also, are, are you so, saying he's injury prone? Something certainly happens every year for him, but it's all different things. The Bengals are three and one without Burrow, though, so it may not have made too big of a difference. Are you saying Burrow's not a franchise quarterback? I'm not saying that right now, but like Browning can beat teams that like the Jaguars, the Colts. So like these aren't like bottom feeder teams that he's beating. He's beating like the middle of the pack teams, which is pretty impressive for three weeks in a row. So we'll see if he can keep it up this week against the Steelers, who actually was their only loss. Well, 
we can move on to the next matchup then. And that would be the Steelers at the Colts. Also Saturday, Jeff, we both picked the Colts in this one. And the Colts, in fact, did win 30-13. to 13. Are the Steelers in full free fall? Is this going to be the first year the Steelers don't finish over 500? Is Mike Tomlin going to keep his job? Jeff, what do you think is going on with the Steelers? So I think we've been clear before that we believe that it's time to move off of Tomlin. He floats in mediocrity, and his claim to fame is he's never had a below 500 season, and he's only got one Super Bowl title with a Hall of Fame quarterback to show for it. So it is something to keep on on the radar. I don't know if, if the Steelers move on from Tomlin, but I imagine that it's at least in their mind. And I would recommend that they do move off of him. I would recommend they move off Kenny Pickett as well, but I don't see that happening either. I just think that it's time to to cycle that through. Like, I'm not saying that Kenny Pickett can't be a below average starter in this league, but like, it's just, we know what he is at this point, and it's just time to cycle through him, in my opinion. Minshew is out there throwing three touchdowns against the Steelers defense. So, and I don't think Kenny Pickett even matches up with Gardner Minshew. So, if we want to use Minshew as like a line of, of replacement or uh, wins above replacement for baseball, like we could use him the uh, the replacement player for this. And I think that anyone below the Minshew line should be moved on from and anyone above the Minshew line should be kept and started. So, <laughs> but that's my opinion. Maybe I'm a little bit higher on Gardner Minshew than the average bear. Sermon takes control of the backfield with uh, Goodson, with Moss injuring his arm i believe uh and i believe it's the arm that he broke in the offseason so we'll see what happens there but this all might be moot for nothing because it does appear that jonathan taylor is expected to return this weekend and if not this weekend it'll be for the fantasy championship week so that backfield is taylor's backfield in 2024 and as soon as he's healthy so i'm not really worried about that backfield at all because i did sign taylor to to an extension earlier this uh season because it was actually in season extension and then Trubisky tanked the Pittsburgh offense, except for Deontay. So it seems like him and Deontay have some sort of connection because Deontay's getting all these touchdowns from him. But Pickens is pretty much uh, useless. Fryermuth is useless with Trubisky. But maybe not all is lost with them because they are benching Trubisky for Mason Rudolph going forward. Anything I missed on that one? I will just say I think Mason Rudolph is probably worse than Trubisky. So I don't think that bodes well for the offense. But we'll see if that, that shakes out next week. All right, let's move on to the Broncos at the Lions. And this is another matchup that you got right over me. It was another Saturday matchup. And uh, Alex, what were your takeaways from this matchup? Jared Goff plays very well in a dome with controlled air conditions. So I, I think that was a uh, one takeaway. And I think that both Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery, I think those guys are going to be usable throughout the fantasy playoffs and for the rest of the year. Amon Ross St. Brown had another good game, and Sam Laporta had a phenomenal game with three touchdowns, so I'm excited for those guys. For the Broncos, Jerry Judy finally showed up in the stat sheet a little bit, and Cortland Sutton is still uh, the go-to guy to get first downs. A little disappointing from both Russell Wilson and from the rushing stats here for the Broncos, but it would have looked a lot nicer if they had the touchdowns that they should have had. The refs just, for whatever reason, didn't want to give the Broncos a touchdown in certain drives so i don't know what's going on with that it certainly benefited detroit and uh, i was correct and i don't think they really would have made that much of a difference in the game because detroit won 42 to 17 but it is a little weird that the broncos scored three touchdowns and uh, two of them were called back incorrectly in my in my opinion and russell wilson and sean payton had a little tiff on the sidelines where sean payton yelled at him and it seems like he yelled at him 
because he wanted to challenge one of the, the touchdowns that were called short. And Russell sped up the offense and went for another play so they couldn't challenge the play. And that play ended up getting a penalty because the guard was offsides and he was offsides. So that messed them up and they would have gotten the touchdown. So I think that's what the screaming was about. I don't think it's necessarily screaming at Russell's individual performance. I think it was just for that one play. Jeff, did I miss anything here? No, I uh, don't really particularly love the relationship with Wilson and Peyton. I don't think it works long term and i don't think that says anything about either one of them i just don't know if they're for each other like this relationship is not going to work so we'll see russ has never never played with an offensive genius head coach so they both have (laughs) they both have a lot of ego because russell was the offense for seattle and sean payton was the mastermind that made tony romo good with the cowboys he made uh, drew Brees phenomenal with the saints and they both have really big egos so i think those are going to clash but i don't necessarily think it's super panic mode which it's funny i'm the one arguing this but i don't think it's necessarily panic mode i think it was just over that one play yeah and the one thing i will say about russ that i like is that he does keep the majority of his ego out of the media and that's not something that peyton does as well yep okay well let's move over to Another game here, and that will be the Falcons at Panthers. And Jeff, you picked the Panthers, I picked the Falcons, and the Panthers won a game. Why don't, why don't you uh, go ahead and talk about this? The Panthers win. Like, that's as big. <laughs> um, I did pick them because I do believe that they were going to win a game or two down the stretch here. They're going to do everything that they can possibly do to make sure the Bears do not get the first overall pick. And this was step one in doing that. Um, Hubbard and Algier appear to have control of the two backfields, which is surprising given that they gave such a high pick up for Bijan Robinson. But Bijan totaled 14 total yards in this game and had a fumble. So if you play in a game that allows negative points, Bijan Robinson got negative points in this game for you. And that is a real bummer during a fantasy playoff game especially when you want to start like this your number one pick in most uh redraft leagues and then obviously he was the first overall pick in all rookie drafts so you want to start your guy and he just didn't really perform up to that here um this is i will take a little bit of a victory lap on this that the 1.01 isn't as valuable as we make it out to be in dynasty because Bijan is not living up to it yet but that does not mean next year or the year after that he can't live up to the hype that we've given him I will disagree that I don't think I don't think Algier has taken over the backfield I I think that it was a wet horrible game and for whatever reason they weren't successful on some of the plays um, with Bijan in it and I don't know why because he's a pretty dynamic guy that to me is play calling but for a year where you've talked up a lot of Derrick Henry, and Derrick Henry's probably having his worst game or worst season of his last six years, Bijan almost is right there with him in yardage this year, and he's way more effective as a receiver than Derrick Henry is. So I think that that's interesting. But for for these teams, I, I think that you being a fan of the Panthers, you're like, they're, they're, there's no way that they have just one win throughout this season. They're going to get a win somewhere. And I think you're like, well, the Falcons seem like the easiest one to pick. I'm going to pick the Falcons. And the weather and just poor performance, bad decision-making from Ritter as well, that definitely helped make it happen because it was a what a 9-7 to seven victory. My gosh, the, the game of the week here. But you got, you got your win. Atlanta, I feel like, has to fire their head coach at some point. They, there's a report today said 
that said even if he misses the playoffs, he might stick around. I'm like, what are you guys doing? What are you doing? Like, you hate him. Of course I do. As a fantasy player, I barely have anyone on the Falcons at all. Like, I'm not. I'm not saying that I'm a huge Falcons person, but I'm like I avoided drafting them because I don't believe in Smith as a head coach. Like he's he's just he's not done it, and I just don't I don't believe in him anymore. So, and, uh, and can we safely say that Ritter is below the Minshew line? Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> I think Heineke's below the Minshew line too, though. So. <laughs> Probably, but I think Heineke, they would have won at least one or two more games, and they would be a lot more competitive in the, the South uh, Conference so division. Yeah, I mean, let's say they—so whatever South team gets into the playoffs, they're going to obviously be kind of quick outs, no matter who it is at this point, because they're all flawed. At this point, I would rather get the higher draft pick, I guess, than make than, than try to make the playoffs in, on a non-perfect team, because— I no one's beating the 49ers, the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Lions out of that division. So if they win, if they sneak one win, it'll, it'll surprise me. Yeah, that's fair. I, I feel like the teams that can do it, though, like I know the Saints have struggled, but they have one of the best pass defenses, I feel like. And I feel like they could pull one off. But would I trust them to go to the end? No. The same thing with uh, the Buccaneers. They might offensively get overcome somebody, but... Yeah, they're, they, neither team would go far. So the South division needs to improve all around. Yeah, and I could really see the Panthers uh, improving a lot this offseason if they hire the right coach and they start putting pieces around Bryce Young because it's going to be Bryce Young next year. I still am a proponent to start Andy Dalton the rest of the year just to gain as many wins as we can to try to make that pick as least valuable that we gave up as, as we can, but... It does hurt us also because we have the 33rd pick right now. So there is that. It would really sting to give up the 101. Yep. All right. Well, we can move on to the next matchup here. The Bears at the Browns. And we both picked it correct. We both went Cleveland. However, Flacco and those three interceptions certainly made it seem like the Bears were going to win this one. But they came back at the end and uh, got the victory. So we're, we're fortunate there. But Flacco, wow, man. I think the Bears' defense is actually pretty solid, and Flacco struggled, but he's a veteran enough that he could come back and rally and get the victory at the end. So that's something I don't think that the, the Browns have. And I don't know why, if I'm Chicago, that I have Justin Fields throw 40 times in a game. I would never want that, and I don't know why they couldn't design more run plays like the Eagles used with Jalen Hurts for Justin Fields, where it's easy designed runs, especially in the red zone. I don't know why they can't do that. But my boy Roshan leading the Chicago Bears in rushing off five rushes. Uh, I can't help but wonder yeah, that if they bad. didn't give if they didn't give anything to Foreman, that Roshan might have gotten like eighty yards. He just seemed a lot more effective all around. But Jeff, I'll let you talk about this matchup. So Roshan was the two minute back, and he was the third and long back. So a lot of his yards came off of plays where it was like third and sixteen, and they let up twelve yards in a prevent defense. So I'm not sure we're getting the full picture on Roshan right now, but I think the only thing for sure that we can see out of this is to use none of these backs right now, not Foreman, not Herbert, not Roshan, like just do not touch this backfield. And if this backfield looks like this next year, still do not touch it because I, I wouldn't know what to do, but I do expect a new coaching staff and potentially, and 
if it were up to me, a new quarterback in this spot here, um, I don't want to pay fields at this point. Like, I don't think he's done enough for, to be paid. So I would definitely start over with a rookie quarterback on a rookie contract right now and just get fields off to a new location, probably in the AFC, because you know how I feel about quarterbacks. You don't want to trade them in conference to potentially face them for years down the road. Cleveland's rushing game doesn't seem any better, and they seem like they completely abandoned it altogether. Oh, yeah. But, but uh, Amari Cooper? had a, a good game and David Njoku seems like every week he's going to have a good game now outside of that it's really difficult to tell it seems like Tillman starting to get a, a tick up which is nice to see I just don't trust him to put him in my starting lineup yet but bad week for DJ Moore and um, not really much else to say about this matchup what about the other Moore Elijah Moore are you still in on Elijah Moore I asked you this yesterday didn't get an answer but I want to put you on the spot now with Elijah Moore <laughs> As far as fantasy, uh, I think I'm out fantasy-wise, at least for this year. Real NFL, I still like him as a second or third option. It's just not going to happen. So it seems like there is a real theme this week. And I'm completely out on Elijah Moore, too, just to close the chapter on that. Because I just I don't trust him for fantasy. I couldn't trust him on another team for fantasy at this point. But it does seem like there was a theme this week of teams losing matchups. Like I feel like the Bears lost this matchup. They went into prevent. like They thought that they had the game won too early. And they they shortened their play calls and they stopped calling the plays that they were playing when they're calling when they were leading. They also had a drop tail Mary at the end. So like they lost that game. Not I mean, I don't know how else to put it, but they lost that game. I think that's a fair take. And we'll we'll come up to more of those cases as well. But we can <laughs> we can uh move on to the Texans at Titans. And Alex, Jeff, I'm happy you. to say I'm happy to say that we were both wrong in picking the Titans. I picked the Titans because uh, I knew the Texans were going to be without Stroud and be without our best wide receiving options. So I thought it'd be difficult. And Houston historically struggles sometimes against division rivals. So the uh, Tennessee Titans wearing the Houston Oilers uniforms against Houston backfired against them. And Houston ended up winning this in overtime with a Kaimi Fairbairn, Fairbairn uh, 54-yard field goal. So quite happy that Houston pulled it off. Uh, they actually started Case Keenum instead of Davis Mills, which I thought was an interesting decision. But Case Keenum is 3-0 and whenever he starts for the Texans. So I guess uh, that's fair enough. But I quite enjoyed this one. I think that there's some of you who may have started Noah Brown this week. He got 82 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Dalton Schultz had 58 yards off of four receptions. But the lead dog for the Texans was Devin Singletary with 121 rushing yards and he also had 49 reception or 49 re- receiving yards off of four receptions which is interesting usage um so i i thought that was intriguing and uh, on the other hand for the titans i didn't think that will levis looked very good and Traylon burks led in receiving for them as well as ty j spears led in rushing with 30 rushing yards derrick henry completely disappeared i think it's interesting with 14 games played this year, he has lowing, lower rushing yards than the 2021 season where he only played eight games. So he's played six games more and has like 53 less rushing yards compared to the season where he only played eight games. So I think Derrick Henry is slowing down. I think Father Time has reached him, and I'm not sure how effective he's going to be going forward. Jeff, take your victory lap on on uh, Devin Singletary and then tell me what you think about this matchup. Yeah, Singletary might be a potential league-winning running back. Like, there's a lot of running backs that are out right now, and Singletary's really taken 
control of this backfield. And I know we discussed this as a potential scenario in the offseason, but I didn't know if I actually fully believed it. But Singletary was not like a no-name back coming to Houston, and he's kind of proving like exactly what I thought is that he could be the guy in stretches. Like, and he is the guy, and he's the reason why they are winning right now, in my opinion, is because he his ground game work is allowing them to be able to pass the ball a lot easier than they were in the early part of the season. Um, but uh, hopefully next week, uh, Nico Collins is back. Obviously, we know Tank Dell is out for the season. But this is the first week where the Texans and the Panthers both won in the same week. Yeah, that's that's actually pretty interesting. Okay, well, do you think that uh, the Titans regret not trading Derrick Henry now? No, because I still think they need to figure out what they have in Will Levis. And uh, I think Henry moves on to another team in the offseason, and I think they go with Spears maybe Levis. I don't know if I would trust Josh Levis next year, but that kind of opens up Tannehill to Atlanta potentially, but I don't know how much Tannehill has left in the tank, and he might be below the Minshew line at this point in his career. Also, all right, so let's hop over to the Chiefs at the Patriots. This is another game where we both got correct, and the Patriots made it a game early, but eventually the Chiefs won by double digits. I will take a victory lap on Rasheed Rice. The guy looks like a legit wide receiver one with Patrick Mahomes. I don't have much else. Kelsey is clearly not 100%. Um, and it shows he did get interfered with in the end zone and it didn't get called on one play. Um, they cut to Taylor Swift either swearing or saying something towards the camera at that point. But uh, here is something that Alex can finally take a victory lap on years down the road. But CEH does well through the air and ends up with 101 total yards. Take your victory lap, Alex. I don't know about taking a victory lap for that, but I think that for Rishi Rice, I think he's only potentially a wide receiver one for just this team. I don't know that he would be a wide receiver one basically anywhere else. And that's only because of Patrick Mahomes. But he's one of the few young receivers they've drafted that actually seems like he's panning out, especially on his first year with the team. Whereas Justin Watson and Richie James and Sky Moore, they're just not working out. And I don't think Kadarius Tony is going to work out. Um, <laughs> Bonehead. I know. <sighs> but for New England, Hunter Henry has another good week. And I think he's going to be basically the best receiving option for them going forward. So I think to me, he's a tight end one. And some people might have some hard decisions, but I think he's worthy of starting the rest of the year. New England, they had a chance to win this one, but... Ultimately, they're just not going to compete with Patrick Mahomes, even if his wide receivers drop half the, the passes that are thrown to them. But Travis Kelsey's looking old, and they're going to face more problems going into next year if he ends up retiring or just completely drops off performance-wise. So they need to address their offense, and especially their running game, because if they don't have Pacheco, they don't have a running game at all. So Jerick McKinnon, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, they really only have receiving value. They don't really have rushing value. So they need to do something about that. Maybe they should go after Derrick Henry. I don't know. McKinnon, McKinnon though, has some passing value, too, after this game. Yeah, McKinnon and Edward Tiller both have passing value. They don't have any rushing value. <laughs> no, I'm talking about actually throwing the football, because McKinnon threw a touchdown. In oh, match oh shut up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to Rasheed Rice, I believe. But I do believe that the Kelsey injury before the season is still affecting him right now because how could you get 100% when you're practicing and playing and not resting so I think next year there could be a lot of people fading Kelsey and Kelsey could have a resurgent year if he comes into the year 100% so just something to look out for and just keep in the back of your mind if he slips to like third and fourth rounds of drafts next year take a flyer okay I think that's fair 
But we can move on to the Giants at the Saints. We both picked the Giants for this one. The Giants kind of fell apart, and the Saints took the victory, which to me means it's a two-man race between New Orleans and Tampa for that division title, and we'll see which one of them pulls it off. But, Jeff, what did you think of this game? So I think that the hype train on Tommy DeVito needs to stop now, and I think that uh, this was his... This was his coming down to earth moment. He his best play was a flop that he had that got the penalty, but also got him into the concussion protocol. So <laughs> that was the best play that he had the entire day. And I don't even think he got the flag for it. I think they picked it up. So <laughs> a he had to be taken out of the game. Tyrod had to play a few snaps and they didn't even get the penalty for it. So it was like the trifecta of bad uh, on that play. Carr had one of the best games of his season. So I don't know if he's getting healthier. I don't know if he's getting more more comfortable. I don't really know what is happening here, but it kind of lends towards the Saints and the Buccaneers, as you alluded to, battling for the division down the the um, stretch here. And uh, we'll see if uh, Baker Baker Moneymaker can lead the Buccaneers to a division title over Derek Carr and the Saints, which I do believe will happen. Is Barkley someone you'd want to start next week and going forward in the fantasy playoffs if you have him and you're you survive this week? I feel like I'd have to start him, but I wouldn't feel good about it. So that's sad. I'd, yeah, don't feel like you can trust him, but I do feel like I could trust Alvin Kamara. But Devito doing this well really is a strike against Daniel Jones because Daniel Jones looked even worse when he was in this year. They got blown up by the Cowboys twice. I just don't know what this does for Daniel Jones and the Giants going forward. But obviously, I know they don't start DeVito next year, but they have to figure out something at quarterback and quickly. I do think Dable's work with DeVito, though, will completely save his job, and he is the coach going into 2024 for the Giants. I've heard a lot of rumors about him potentially getting traded. Some analysts out there have floated, how I would trade picks to get Dable, but I just, either he gets fired or they keep him. Those are the only options, in my opinion. Yeah, you don't trade for somebody unless they're like Hall of Fame worthy, like Sean Payton, John Gruden, and like those types of coaches. Bill Belichick is that rumor. But it's rare. Okay. Yeah. Well, we can move on to the New York Jets at the Miami Dolphins. And we both picked Miami for this one, and Miami won 30 to 0. Uh, Zach Wilson did get knocked out of this game, and Trevor Simeon picked up through two interceptions and looked great. Tua had just his typical game manager kind of game where he was fairly accurate, only one touchdown, didn't turn the ball over. Jalen Waddell was the primary target with uh, Hill out, but didn't really get much going on the ground with Raheem Mostert or Devon Achan. However, Mostert did get two touchdowns. The Jets are just awful they had that one good week last week and then they're awful again and they're they were officially eliminated from playoffs i don't expect them to have that much fight left for the rest of the year but we'll see jeff was there anything that you want to talk about in this one did i miss anything so waddle filled in for the hill role which was surprising but good to see him do that because i didn't really know if he had that in his tool belt and it was really nice to see that and it was nice to see the Dolphins win without Tyreek because they looked absolutely lost without him the week before. And then Mostert, we don't talk about him enough. He's a complete must start. He's going to win people league championships as long as he stays healthy these last two weeks. He's on an absolute tear. 18 rushing touchdowns. He's got, I think, 20 total touchdowns or 19 or 20 total touchdowns. Really crazy year for Mostert because I think he's going to end up the number two fantasy back this year. But 
not much else to say in this game. I don't think Aaron Rodgers plays the rest of the season, so the Jets really aren't even newsworthy at this point. All righty. Well, we can move on to the next matchup, which is the Buccaneers at the Packers, and Green Bay taking on Tampa Bay. Bay won. So we both got Bay correctly, and uh, I think we can just move on. <laughs> the Battle no, of the both, Bays. We picked the North Bay and the South Bay one, and so yeah. we got this one incorrect. We uh, overestimated the Packers. But anytime you try to count out Baker Mayfield, he ends up having one of his best games of his career. That happened, and Godwin finally got some got some uh, catches this week and put up some stats. So, Jeff, I will let you talk about this one. You realize how close he is to 1,000 yards. He's only 186 yards away from 1,000. And I think now that Evans has finally gotten his 1,000-yard streak continued, I think now the focus is on Godwin getting that as well so i think tampa is very conscientious about their two star receivers and uh he might be a sneaky start next week i probably would start chris godwin going forward right now like i think that's this guy that i would throw in and see what you can do but uh wicks and reed had the targets for green bay which was actually a little bit surprising because i thought dobbs was the lead guy there being a second year guy but the two rookies are seeming to be the ones taking the targets away with watson out hopefully watson returns next week don't really know because i believe it's a soft tissue issue and uh those can tend to linger a little bit you have to give me something on the rashad white thing because he has 834 yards on the ground and 469 through the air so he's on an absolute tear this year overall What's your thoughts there? I mean, he's putting up, just purely on usage, he's putting up stats that are worthy of starting in fantasy. I just think he's not very efficient as a rusher. He's only averaging 3.8 yards per carry, which uh, per attempt, which is it's not good in my opinion, but he's really the lone back there, so he's going to get the usage, and the receiving game is where he brings most of his value. Oh, agreed. Anything else you would like to add to this matchup before we move on to another matchup? Yeah, I wish I picked South Bay over North Bay. <laughs> you had the shot, too. It was in Lambeau, so that was going to be a hard pick to pick Baker against Green Bay in that one. All right, so we have the 49ers at the Cardinals. We both got this pick right, and Alex, I'm going to let you start by breaking this one down. This was quite the matchup. I don't know if it was quite the matchup, but I just thought the 49ers looked phenomenal in offense pretty much all the way around, and... Uh, Brock Birdie having four touchdowns, zero interceptions. It seems like there's actually several quarterbacks that were doing that this week, but it's nice to see Brock Birdie doing it. It's nice to see Christian McCaffrey look like an absolute stud with uh, 115 rushing yards, touchdown, and then 72 receiving yards and two receiving touchdowns. That's pretty nice to see. I know Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel didn't exactly get the yardage that we want. Debo did get two touchdowns, and George Kittle did get 54 yards. So I'd like to see the ball spread out a little bit more evenly, but they were just getting a commanding lead against the Cardinals. I didn't think Kyler Murray looked very good, and that's even with Bosa getting hurt because I'm trying to remember specifically. Uh, one of the 49ers defenders got angry and pushed a Cardinals lineman into Bosa's leg, ended up knocking him out for the rest of the game, and might hurt their playoff chances because of a little tantrum there. But I didn't think the Cardinals looked that great other than James Conner and Trey McBride. So it's going to be interesting whether the Cardinals move on from Murray, like you want Chicago to move on from Fields, because to me, they're basically the same guy. So I'm curious your take on that and what you thought about this matchup. 
So we'll see as far as that goes, but it does seem like the fact that the Cardinals are playing Murray this late, they're not worried about the injury guarantee. So it does seem like they will be moving forward with Murray going into 2024. I will say for Murray, though, he is in a division with the 49ers, Rams, Seahawks, and he has led the team to the playoffs once. So I think that that is a strike in the favor column for Murray versus Fields because Fields hasn't had that success that Murray has had. Um, but CMC, Debo are just absolutely phenomenal right now. Uh, Ayuk is phenomenal in his own way as well. I think for I think the Cardinals here found some weaknesses in the 49ers defense that they're going to want to clear up. They let a big touchdown to Di Mercado. There wasn't a great start between the chemistry between Wilson and Murray. I don't know if they're easing Wilson back into the lineup. And James Conner held his own in this matchup, which was a question mark that I had going into this matchup. So really surprising. I know you had a question about him going into this week too, if you should start him or not. You should have, spoiler alert, Um, but I'm really impressed with Trey McBride. And for me, he's going to be a top seven, maybe even a top five tight end for fantasy purposes in 2024. I think my question was between James Conner and Walker, and they had the same points. For sure. Uh, So you should have picked neither. Well, I could have put... Or either. I could have put Conner in over Tyler Lockett at flex. But I won anyway, so it really didn't matter. Oh, right. So anything else on this matchup before we hop to the next one? No, that's it for me. All right. We got Washington at the Rams. We both got this one correct because we both picked the Rams. And I will get started on this one. The Rams let Washington hang around them, which is a little concerning going into the playoff season here. Um, Kyron Williams had a, a turnover or two. But also he had 32 touches for 155 yards. So he is a bell cow in this offense, which does tell me that Sean McVay wants to have a bell cow in this offense. So just uh, something to pay attention going forward. If it's Kyron Williams or someone else next year, he does prefer someone to be like the lead back. And then McLaurin thrives late with Brissett, who could start next week. Howell got benched because this is basically what that was. Brissett came in and threw two touchdowns, and then they missed the extra point, which they should have went for two with analytics on that play. But um, next week, Alex, do you foresee Brissett starting over Howell, or do you foresee Washington having no reason to start Brissett right now? I I think that they would consider starting him if they feel like there's any chance to make the playoffs. Um, Otherwise, why wouldn't you continue to start Howell and hopefully he develops? Gotcha. Okay. Anything else from this matchup that I missed here? Your boy McLaurin finally went off, and then Curtis Samuel as well. More McLaurin, please. More. (laughs) All right, let's hop over to the Cowboys at the Bills. And I got this pick right. Unfortunately, Alex, you did not get this pick right. Buffalo dominated this game, as as I've stated before, their playoffs started last week against the Chiefs. And... Honestly, if I was a team right now, I would not want to play Buffalo right now. They seem like they've got everything figured out. James Cook was a beast in this game. Um, And then Allen only had to throw the ball 15 times. That is a little concerning for fantasy purposes moving forward. But uh, this team is ridiculous right now because if they can actually control the ball with the run game and then Allen doesn't have to put the whole team on his back and only has to do it one or two drives out of the out of the game like this is a game changer for buffalo in my opinion and i think it all flipped when they fired ken dorsey and what do you think this means for buffalo going forward and also is this a mulligan for dallas or is this an app is this a concern for dallas i think this is a concern for dallas 
I, I think losing to a potential playoff team on the road and losing several times on the road this year is concerning. So if they end up not winning their division, it's going to be pretty tough week one. And I think it would be tougher if they face the Saints than Tampa. So I think in New Orleans, they would have a tougher chance. So any any other team that they face, so maybe they get one victory in the playoffs, but any other team they face, they're probably going to lose too. So all the people who got their hopes up about Dallas, everyone who's talking about Dak Prescott as MVP, this game is kind of a big damper on that. I don't think necessarily think it will move a lot of people, but to me, I kind of feel like they're pretenders because I feel like they – maybe aren't as good on offense as we think, maybe aren't as good as on defense as we think. And the Bills just kind of exposed them, especially their run defense. And for the Bills, they had those two difficult matchups. They faced the Chiefs last week, they faced Dallas this week, and they beat both of them. So they've kind of proven, yes, we struggled this year, but we've now beaten two playoff teams back-to-back, two teams that were considered Super Bowl contenders. They have easier matchups the last three weeks of the year. Yeah, they play the Dolphins at some point, but I'm not really scared of the Dolphins if I'm the Bills. So they look like they might end up actually winning their division now. So going from, like, what, five and six to potentially winning your division is pretty impressive. And I, if if I'm playing this, I'm doing everything I can to shut down James Cook because I think he's the cheat code in this offense. Yeah, absolutely. And I love how you had said it with the with the Bills here, and that James Cook is their off the offense needs to go through him right now. And Diggs is kind of missing right now, but that's okay. But just get wins. But there's a little bit of a trap game this week against the Chargers that we'll go over in our next episode because they're going against the Chargers who just fired their coach, so they're going to get a boost in that column and the bills are coming off of two high profile wins and they might be letting their guard down against the lowly chargers this week so it's a potential trap game so we'll see if they have the same attention to detail and concentration in that matchup right let's move on to the ravens at the jaguars so alex we got the ravens at the jaguars i will let you go ahead and break it down all right well this one we were looking at a breakout from keaton mitchell potentially leading this team as a rusher and he did with 88 yards off of 11 carries but he ended up tearing his acl and now he's out for the season so again another baltimore running back injury just when we thought someone was going to break out i don't know how this is going to play out next year with dobbins and mitchell and gus edwards i don't know how that's going to play out but uh, isaiah likely led as the receiving option there with 70 yards and a touchdown kind of a disappearance from zay flowers and Odell Beckham. So that was a little difficult. Um, it seems like Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence did everything he could to try to win this game, but he got hit pretty bad. And I think he's in the concussion protocol now. And so his his uh, availability for next week may not uh, be very good. But Travis Etienne was pretty much shut down in this matchup, which is one of the concerns I had for Etienne and his usage. I think he's kind of slowed down as the year's gone on, and he hasn't had anyone really spell him. Calvin Ridley disappeared. I think Zay Jones had, I believe, an injury in this one as well, so I think he's probably out next week. Ingram didn't uh, didn't show up this week, so Parker Washington got four catches, but only 12 yards. I think I'd be concerned if I was a Jaguar fan, and I think that if I'm a Ravens fan, feel pretty confident knowing we're probably going to secure the number one seed in the AFC and probably the likely Super Bowl favorite. But despite all that, Trevor Lawrence looked a tad bit better than Lamar Jackson, at least throwing the ball. But Lamar Jackson, 97 rushing yards. Pretty incredible. 
Keaton Mitchell with the 11 touches for 88 yards and then goes down with that ACL tear. That is an absolute heartbreaker because that was a guy that I saw as a breakout contender for 2024. I do expect him to be available for the beginning of the 2024 season. I don't expect this to end that because nine months from today is right around week two, week three. So if he's anywhere between the eight and nine month mark of returning, uh, he may have the leg up in in the backfield there because both Dobbins and Edwards are free agents going into 2024. And I think that Mark Andrews could be on the roster bubble in 2024 because I believe that Isaiah Likely is filling in very nicely for Mark Andrews right now. And it may make him expendable next year. Would you agree with Mark Andrews being on the roster bubble? I wouldn't say he is, has to be concerned about getting cut but he might get traded to another team. That's that's a possibility. Absolutely. But likely is filling in very, very nicely right now. Anything else we missed on this matchup, Alex? I think that's it. I think we can move on to the, the Monday night matchup, the very last matchup here. That was the Eagles at the Seattle Seahawks, and we both picked the Eagles. I, I think it was fair to pick the Eagles, but Seattle getting the upset off a last-minute touchdown from Drew Locke. I know that you are Drew Locke's biggest fanboy, so I will let you lead this one off. <laughs> I thought Drew Locke had a really good game, completed at roughly 66-67% of his balls last night, which is great accuracy. Only 200 yards, but they got the W. Um, there's something going on with the Eagles. The Eagles lost this matchup, as we talked about earlier. Kind of a theme this week about teams losing matchups versus teams winning the matchups. and after. The the matchup, Jalen Hurts had confirmed that there is some execution, some concentration, some like issues going on right now with the Eagles. So they are in relax mode right now, and that may cost them the division. That may cost them a home field playoff game somewhere in there. So it's just uh, coming at a very inopportune time. Um, last week, I did have concerns about Gainwell taking over the backfield on Swift, but last night, it was Swift gaining control of the backfield again, and Gainwell was not a focus last night. Walker was the focus for the Seahawks, and Charbonnet wasn't, so it'll be interesting to see if this is what it is going forward, or if this was a one-week aberration. Alex, anything I missed on this as we both took the L on this one? I didn't really think the Seahawks would be able to beat the Eagles, even a struggling Eagles team, especially not with Drew Locke. I think Drew Locke did an admirable job, but I think to me he's a career backup. I don't foresee him being a starter in this league. Um, I think Geno's still the better quarterback there, and I think that the, if the Eagles played like this with Geno as a starting quarterback for Seattle, I think Seattle would have put more points on the board. But that's just my thoughts. Um, I'm happy for Seattle because this means they're likely a playoff team. Yeah, that's what it's looking like. All right. Anything else to wrap up this week where you beat me uh, with uh, our differences three to two this week? Oh, wow. No, I mean, that's it. I'm sure it'll flip flop next week. But that does it for this episode of the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast. Thank you all for downloading and listening to this episode. Please don't forget to like and subscribe. Please leave us a comment, share the show. Every little bit helps. You can find us on all podcasting apps by searching N2E Fantasy and with our handle at N2E Fantasy on all social media platforms. Please join our community and give us a follow. Until next time, take care of yourselves and remember, it's truly never too early for fantasy football. Thank you again. Bye, everybody.